It's Wednesday, July 28th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, our man in Colorado, Tim Byers. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Ben. Good to see you, Chris. Holy cow, this is one of those days where we could go for an hour. We're not going <laughs> to yeah. go for an hour. Um, we're going to talk Shopify, Alphabet, Starbucks. Real quick, we're, we're going to hit this in greater detail on Motley Fool Money this week, but give me your quick headline on the latest results from Apple and the latest from Microsoft. Incredible. I, I feel like we have gone full shrug emoji on both of these stocks, meaning that the numbers are incredible, but the stocks really aren't moving. So just for perspective, 36% revenue growth year over year for Apple. They have essentially $130 billion on their balance sheet that's in long-term savings, non-current assets. That doesn't even include the $70 billion that they can draw on at any time. So Apple is just killing it all the way up and down. But apparently, the stock is down because there is a chip shortage, and we will not have enough M1 Max. For Microsoft, another amazing quarter all the way up and down the business. Again, the cloud computing business, Azure, up 50% year over year, 51%, 45%. If you go in constant currency, it, nobody gives Microsoft nearly enough credit for how much their cloud computing business is killing it. Um, both of these stocks are not moving very much at all. Apple, in fact, I think Chris is down a little bit as we're recording. And so it's, it's just a little bit staggering. What we've come to expect of these businesses is extraordinary because the numbers they're putting up under any other circumstances would be mind-blowing. Well, let's move on to Starbucks then. Shares are down more than 3% this morning, despite the fact that the third quarter for Starbucks had so many good things you can point to. Yes, the profit and revenue higher than expected. And I know the year-over-year same-store sales numbers are extraordinary because a year ago, uh, pretty yeah. much the United States was shut down. But you go back two years, same store sales up 10% compared to two years ago. That's pretty great. It's amazing. I mean, I, I would say, you're, I'm risking hyperbole here, Chris, but that is bananas. I mean, the 83% the comps up in, in the U.S., 73% up worldwide. And so, yes, we were dealing with empty stores last year. But if you just factor in that two-year number, that means not, I mean, forget about recovery. We're not even talking about recovery. We are now talking about growth, sustained growth from where Starbucks was. And apparently, Chris, um, we are, uh, we're, we're the out-of-touch ones here because we like our hot coffee. And it's the iced coffee that's, <laughs> that's driving all this. So, um, but, but yeah, you know, I mean, shocker, people like coffee. Uh, that that is not very much of a surprise, but give the operations leads at Starbucks a lot of credit here, Chris. Not only are they building stores strategically, and I, I think the thing that's easy to undersell is that during the pandemic, Starbucks was making investments at a difficult time to make investments. They were making investments, and it looks like it's paying off. Yeah, to go back to the temperature of the beverages for a second. I, I knew that you and I were out of step uh, with a lot of people in that we drink hot coffee and there are a lot of people who like cold beverages. I didn't realize it was to the, to the tune of 74%. 74% of beverages sold were cold beverages. Um, Kevin Johnson was on CNBC this morning and he 
um, addressed an issue which has come up. We've got an email about it. Uh, people have been tweeting at me about it. It is, um, as you might have seen, the price of coffee uh, spiking uh, because yeah. of, of what's going on in Brazil. And Kevin Johnson talked about their buying strategy, which is essentially Starbucks buy locks in in the same way that there are airlines that will lock in jet fuel prices. They locked in their coffee prices over a year ago. Yeah. So and and it's just it, to me it's another reminder of look I know I know there are, you know part of what's happening with the stock being down today there were a couple of analysts that came out with new notes on Starbucks pointing to some weakness in China and you know and th- this was not a perfect quarter and this right. was not perfect guidance so I understand the drop particularly when you consider that the stock hit an all time high last week yep. but listening to Johnson it was just such a reminder of how smart he is. Um, in so many different ways, how experienced he is. And he and his team, they've seen this all before. Right. Particularly now that, as you pointed out, they've been investing through the pandemic. So, uh, look, if you don't own shares of this and you want to get it 3% cheaper than it was yesterday, today's your day. Right. And I think the, the point you make is a really excellent one here that operations do matter. Like, you're, you're right. Like, and, and sustained weakness in China is a possibility. There's a lot of weird things going on in China and not just in tech, it's just across the board. There's a lot of regulatory change, there's a lot of unknowns, and that is fair because Starbucks has made huge investments in, in China. Having said that, um, you do not get to 10%, you know, two-year comp growth for lack of operational expertise, that means, think of the things that go into a comps raise. It's not just that you have more stores. It is that you are making the most of every square foot in the stores that you've got, and you're figuring out ways to reach your customer. So there's a a principle about using every dollar of investment wisely, and I think Johnson just gets it up and down the board. I think this is a guy that knows how to invest capital well, and more than anything else that is out of your control, that is in management's control, the thing that will drive your return is their ability to put a dollar to work and earn a great return on that dollar. Alphabet's second quarter profits and revenue came in higher than expected. YouTube is getting a lot of attention this quarter, but holy cow, the online advertising for anyone who thought, this was a long-term problem. This is one of those quarters that um, demonstrates um, what what goodness can look like if you're a Google shareholder. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'll I'll admit it here, uh, Chris. I I you know I fell for the banana in the tailpipe here. I thought that <laughs> I I thought that search advertising was starting to decline here. Boy, was I wrong. I mean, search advertising. As, as part of the Google business was up 68%. Overall, Google ads was up 69% year over year. Uh, YouTube, I think, up 83%. Um, it's just extraordinary. Um, once people got back to the business of, yes, I want to shop for stuff, um, search advertising came roaring back in a, in a massive way. Um, what's interesting too is that they, you know, the it's not really a side business. It had been the business that we were expecting Alphabet 
to sort of help grow them out of the advertising business, Google Cloud, their cloud computing business. That did well. It was up 54% year over year, but it was the laggard. It was the advertising business that really lifted Google uh, this past quarter. And of course, they have just, I mean, Apple has an extraordinary amount uh, of capital. Um, you know, Google has got just as much. They've got $135 billion sitting on the books. And management has said, you know what? Take $50 billion of that, put it to work, and start buying back shares, both A and C shares. I think we're going to see that over the next, let's say, four quarters here, Chris. Management's going to start getting aggressive, buying back shares. So look for that EPS number in future quarters. It's going to get even fatter than it is today. It's interesting to see this development because there was a point in time, you can go back five or ten years, where if they announced this type of buyback program, there would be passionate shareholders pounding the table saying, no, 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 you got to invest it, you got to look for acquisitions, that sort of thing. This seems like a smart strategy, in part because, look, it's not all the cash, they can afford this. And also, there is always, even if you don't think Alphabet's going to get broken up, the regulatory threat is real. Like that, right. is, make no mistake about it. Even if it ends up being a wash and the business is the same a decade from now as it is today, it is still something that executives at Alphabet have to keep in mind. They have to spend time on it. And so this seems like a very prudent use of $50 billion. Right. And, and you make a really good point there. Like if Alphabet, no matter what size it is, makes an acquisition, right now you know the government will be taking an extra close look and that and it may be a perfectly sensible acquisition and the government still may say nope and and just because of the regulatory environment we're in so where else are you going to put that capital to work one alternative is to pay a dividend i mean they've certainly got the capital to do it they just have shown no appetite for that so this makes the you know, of the things that they could do, this makes the most sense um, other than, you know, piling just a huge amount of money into new data centers and, and things of that nature, which, you know, frankly, I still think they're going to do. Shopify's second quarter is more evidence for anyone who needed it that, that online shopping has just exploded over the past year um, because Shopify is in the business of making online shopping possible. There are always a bunch of numbers with Shopify. What stood out to you as as particularly noteworthy? 70% growth in uh, subscription solutions here, Chris. And so what's interesting to me about this is this isn't the part of the Shopify business that usually leads growth. Usually it's merchant solutions. There's the merchant solutions piece of the business is Shopify gets a little juice from the amount of commerce that's coming onto its platform. And there is a lot of it. I mean, my goodness, the, the gross, uh, you know, the gross merchandise volume uh, was 42.2 billion. That's for the quarter. That's crazy that that's just for the quarter. That was up 40% year over year. The, you know, of that, 
Uh, 48% of that is payments volume. So Shopify is doing a ton of business and overall revenue was up 50%, 57%, I should say. But the fact that for the second consecutive quarter, subscriptions were up over 70% means primarily that you've got a lot of businesses that say, you know what, they're right, we need a Shopify store. And they sign up for the subscription. It's not the major piece of Shopify's revenue. It's like a third. But the fact that it's driving subscriptions and the world is coming to the conclusion that, yes, I need a Shopify store. I'm a brand and I need a Shopify store. That says something. That is probably a leading indicator that that GMV is going a lot higher over the next couple of years. So when you say, because we, we were going back and forth a little bit this morning, when you say that it's unusual to see this as the growth driver, is that a... I mean, look, there are t times when a business will come out with their quarterly results yeah. and some small division is the reason they put up good numbers and you can look at that and say, nah, that's not good. I mean, it's nice, you know, in, in the moment for right. this one report, there's a, but if this continues, this is going to be a problem for this business. Is this a problem for Shopify that this is the growth driver two quarters in a row? No, I think, it's a, I think it's a leading indicator of massive growth down the line because more stores on the Shopify platform, like it's, it's a lagging indicator. You get a store on the Shopify platform, then that store, presuming it succeeds, it starts generating more GMV. It starts generating more payments, which leads to more merchant solutions. So like the more subscriptions there are, the more it can feed that other bigger piece of the business, the merchant solutions piece of the business. So I think it's great. I think it's surprising, but I think it's great. Like the Shopify thesis has been, look, we got a lot of stores here and they're doing a lot more business. And because they're doing a lot more business, our revenue is going to compound. Not, we're going to get a lot more people onto our platform. Uh, but it turns out both things are happening. And the fact that both things are happening means, man, I mean, again, I, it's, not my, it's not my way to copy from my boss, Ron Gross here. But this one is. It is firing on all cylinders. It really is. When you look at the stock, it's $1,500 a share. It's basically yeah. flat today. Yep. Off of a quarter like this, do you look at it as just like, look, this is a richly valued stock, and, yes. and uh, they, they would have needed something even better for this stock to be moving higher today? It, it, yes. It, it's another one of those shrug emoji stocks where we're like, yes, we're used to seeing this. And so it doesn't. Um, it doesn't move the needle very much. It just proves the inherent greatness of the business. So this is one, I've said this before, Chris, like if you don't own shares of this and you understand that it's richly valued, that's totally fine. If you're interested in it, buy like one share. If you can do that, if you're here in the United States, if you're overseas, like just, and you don't get the benefit of free trades, just make a small amount, just a small trade in the stock. And then, you know, build over time because this is one that is not going to get cheaper anytime soon, but its greatness is going to compound. Well, and, and to go back to um, to Starbucks and, and again, I, I'm not knocking the, 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 the Wall Street analysts who, who come out with these notes and, you know, that's their job and they're, they're right. smart I'm not And I'm not questioning their intelligence. I, I, I do, however, like to remind myself every now and then that their time frame is different than the time yes. frame we talk about here at The Motley Fool, because 
yeah, Starbucks, the picture in China is not perfect. And, you know, there, there's always going to be uh, challenges of, in running and growing a business that big. But Johnson's experience, he's got a smart team around him. Uh, he knows what he's doing. So it's like, okay, yeah, if your time frame is the next three months, yeah, I get why you're neutral on Starbucks. If you're thinking about it for five and 10 years, then what do we even <laughs> And that's kind of how I look at Shopify. Like I don't own right. shares. It's on my watch list. And part of me is like, yeah, I should probably just buy a couple of shares just to stick it away and not think about it for the next decade. Because I bet a decade from now, which is my time frame, it's going to be higher. Right. And I, I look at it, same thing, right? Like the Starbucks argument is, do we believe people are still drinking coffee and drinking it in greater <laughs> volume over the next 10 years? Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, and with, with Shopify, same thing. Do we think a greater portion of business will be done globally and online? Do we think that's a reasonable assumption? I think the answer to that is, yeah. I mean, the portion of business that can be done online or done in a hybrid fashion where you order online and pick up or order online and get it delivered, yeah. That's going to happen, and it's not going to all be centered around one vendor called Amazon. It's going to be a lot of businesses. I mean, if you were to put Shopify and Amazon together, you know, and you thought of Shopify as one ecosystem and Amazon as the other, how much of the world's business are you talking about? It's a lot, but it's also still less than 50%. That is extraordinary. So uh, I, I think there's a lot of room for growth here, Chris. No doubt. No doubt in my mind. But yeah, it, there, there's also no doubt it's a, it's a very richly priced stock. So one or two shares to tuck it away, I think it's a good strategy. Tim Byers, always great talking to you. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.